It has been a wonderful uh, opportunity um, to be able to do it uh, throughout this year and the opportunities that has been given to me. And I count it a great privilege every chance I get uh, to preach the Word of God. I count myself unworthy were it not for the grace and for the merits of my Savior, Jesus Christ. I know that it would be impossible for me to do this. And so uh, this morning with Pastor Jeremy out, um, he asked me, I believe it was a couple weeks ago, and I knew it was at the back end of camp. Um, but I'm, I'm uh, such a passionate uh, person when it comes to preaching that I said, no, I want to do it. And uh, so uh, it's been a great, um, a great thing to be able to do this, uh, to be able to have this opportunity this morning. I do appreciate uh, all of you that were praying uh, for this summer camp season. We had a wonderful camp season, uh, 543 campers throughout the five weeks of camp. And uh, we had over a hundred and some salvations this, uh, this summer, uh, which I was talking to somebody, and that's more than a fifth of the kids that came to us this summer received Christ as their Savior. And so um, that, that is a pretty special thing, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, many of you were there this summer, and, uh, and even this past week. And so uh, it was great to have uh, a God working in our midst. And I know this week, um, many of you young people got to hear Brother Adrian and uh, Adrian Burden, and what a privilege that that was just a wonderful man, a wonderful ministry, and uh, brought a great preaching of the Word of God, and I, I enjoyed that uh, this week. So uh, I, I've been listening to those messages, been listening, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't know how many of y'all listen to podcast messages, but let me strongly encourage you, if you don't, in today's modern day and age, we have that great privilege, and so like you can listen to hundreds of thousands of messages and preachers from all across the world, and uh, there is a... Uh, a great blessing in hearing those messages, let me tell you, and uh, I, have been, I have enjoyed that um, during this time. I, I, I preached this message uh, several weeks ago over at uh, Faith Baptist Church, and then I preached it in Spanish in our Spanish service, so if you're one of the two servicers um, and you stick around for the Spanish, you might have heard something of this, and, uh, but I just, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that's near and dear to my heart, and I want to share with you uh, this morning because I believe that it is something that sometimes uh, we have there. As, uh, as part of, uh, as part of uh, what needs to take place in our life. And so if you would go with me to Lamentations chapter 3, Lamentations chapter 3, and I believe that it is an apt message for our time. It is an adequate uh, warning. It is an adequate calling. And uh, where we're at um, in, in, this, uh, in this wonderful uh, passage is something that I believe can be plugged in directly to us though we are about 2,500 years removed from the actual events that took place here, um, it's funny how, or it's interesting how, uh, they are still very applicable to our lives today in the year 2018. And so uh, here we are in Lamentations chapter 3. I want to preach to you this morning about hope. I want to preach to you this morning and hopefully give you a little glimmer of the reality of the amazing hope we have in God. And uh, I, I'm so thankful that um, we have truth that we can rely on. So thankful that this morning, as we sit here, um, that hope is not just what we have um, on this earth, but there's something way beyond this earth. As I look around our world, there's a lot to make me cast my vision down and bring about a sense of hopelessness, right? Um, there's a lot as I look, I don't even have to look outside to the world, I can look inside to me 
and I can find some reasons for hopelessness, right? But I believe this morning that God's Word gives us some clear indications that we are not to be hopeless, but that we are to be hopeful people. Uh, We are not to be the kind of people that uh, have no hope. Um, We live uh, sadly in what is quickly becoming uh, the suicide generation. Uh, The rates of of hopelessness ending in that um, for an amazing amount of reasons and and for an amazing amount. It it, it passes all uh, uh, geographical lines. It passes all uh, demographic lines, uh, rich, poor, um, uh, white, uh, Hispanic, black. It doesn't matter. Um, the truth of the matter is that hopelessness has permeated our world. And, and so I believe that as a gospel-centered uh, church, as a gospel-centered person, uh, I can have hope, and there should always be hope in me. And I believe that this world that has extracted and has squeezed to try and, and, and remove all sense of the gospel in it has been left with the void of hopelessness because that is the only um, end, that is the only outcome that comes when you squeeze the gospel out of a life, out of a generation, out of a world, is hopelessness because the only hope we really and truly have is in the gospel. And so uh, this morning I am excited about Lamentations chapter 3 and I'm excited about what we find here. We find that we're in the year about 586 years before Christ um, and so thus we're about 2,500 years before us, 2,600 years before us. And here there is, uh, this is the scene. A Babylonian army has come in and it's uh, ransacked uh, the nation of Israel, uh, specifically Judah and Jerusalem. Uh, These countries lie in desolation. Uh, Their temple is destroyed. Uh, Their uh, priests have been murdered inside the temple. Um, I'm saying that there's some some sad situations. By the way, that makes me think of, uh, not that there's a lot of parallel, exactly, but uh, pray for the country of of Nicaragua. They're going through a a terrible devastation right now. But it made me think because all the time uh, that... um, the people who were against the uh, uh, dictatorship um, in these last several months, it's been about 90 days or 120 days now of, uh, of, of turmoil, and, and uh, the, the dictator has come in and oppressed the people and has become very oppressive. And they would run to the Catholic Church, and whenever they were protesting, and the, the, uh, the government would send these uh, paramilitary people to go and kill the protesters only for holding up a sign or saying, we don't like the dictator in charge, he would say, well, go put a bullet in them, and they would run to the Catholic Church, and, and then in the Catholic Church, they would be safe because they would not go in. Well, here in the, about the last two, three weeks, um, the government said, uh, forget the Catholic Church, we're going in, and they beat up the priests, and they beat up the people inside there, and, uh, and so it's been a, a devastating situation. But even in modern history, it connects a lot like it was back then. There was a, a little bit of a, of a sacredness, a little bit of, but this is the time Babylonian army has come in, and even the temple has been ransacked. Even the priests, everything, they've been completely annihilated and destroyed. We find ourselves in the midst of that. We find ourselves in the midst of a lot of loss. 
the nation of Israel had been blessed by God, and yet at this moment here in 586 BC, they've lost their abundance. Uh, they've lost their crops. Uh, they've lost the countries that once backed them up have, have now said, ah, we don't know you. And they've lost their allies. Um, they've lost their places of rest. They've lost um, their happiness. Uh, they've lost because at one point God had lifted them up, and when you heard about um, the Israelites, you thought about a prestigious nation. But see, they had lost that even, and, and they had lost even on a more sad side. They had even lost their young men. Their young men had been slaughtered, and those that were not slaughtered had decided to flee and stop defending their nation, stop defending their country, where once there were courageous young Israelites who stood up against battle and, and, and stood in the midst and, and fought and valiantly won victories against armies twice their size, now were running and hiding. I'm telling you, it was a time of loss. It was a time of sadness. It was a time of desolation. There was no worship. Uh, they would open uh, perhaps the temple, but nobody came. Uh, it was because even, even, even the people that were left, all they could do was walk around a city and they could see the smoldering smoke of the destruction of the city. They could see destruction everywhere. Bodies on the streets and, and families torn apart. Everybody had a war story. Everybody was, was sad and depressed. I'm telling you, it was a bad time. But, but you see, let me go a little bit further. I'm telling you, it was a very bad time. I mean bad. Like, like women were deciding to go ahead and eat their own children. Bad time. I'm saying there was hunger, there was famine in the, in the, in the land. Um, they, they, they had, I mean, need. They had destruction. They had desolation. They had a lot of reasons for hopelessness. And here in the midst of this, the prophet of God comes and he starts to record what he's seen. And the prophet of God, as he begins, he writes this book of Lamentations. It's a very poetic book. And perhaps trying to uh, uh, have a historical record of what was taking place, but at the same time, to be able to have a, a sense of, of, of hope in the midst of that, God's Spirit moves in the prophet of God and he pens the book of Lamentations. And in this poetic book, it's only five chapters, uh, you, you'll see two chapters that speak about everything that I just encapsulated in the last seven minutes or so. And then we reach chapter three as he reaches the climax of how bad it is. And in the midst of chapter number three, we find some verses that just don't make a whole lot of sense with that background. You say, but Brother John, my life is just not that bad. <laughs> This morning here on July 22nd, 2018, I go out and my car's kind of new. I go to my house and everything's in order. Um, I, I go around and yeah, America, there's some things going wrong, but we're, we're not that bad. I understand. But you know, on a personal note, sometimes there is a lot of personal desolation. You know, on a spiritual note, there is a lot of time of destruction in our lives. Sometimes we go through years, sometimes we go through months, sometimes we go through weeks of, of just uh, seeing the destruction that comes when the enemy has come in and caused some serious destruction. During this past week, I, I don't always get to do this, but it just so happened that I had to counsel in several of the nights, several of the young people that were making decisions. And I'm telling you, there's some people out there with a lot of personal destruction. 
some people out there, there's some hearts out there that are going through some personal desolation. The enemy has come in and caused some serious destruction. There's some young people who are suffering because of sins of others. They are suffering because of, of, of even uh, a judgment of their own sin or, or the consequences of their own sin. And, and, and there's some destruction that has taken place because an enemy has come in. And there's personal calamity. There's spiritual calamity. There's marital calamity. There's calamity in the home. There's calamity of a lack of a future plan and purpose in life. One of the big, greatest shocks to me and one of the saddest notes of this generation is when you ask a young person today, so what do you see? What do you want to do in your life? Oh. What are you excited about tomorrow? What are you excited about? Are you excited about marriage? No, it stinks. It's miserable. Excited about a career path? No. no. We've been robbed. We've been, it's been desecrated. It's been demolished of the idea of the amazing beauty of life. You see, we, we've killed so many millions of babies as a country. We've, we've denigrated life to be such meaningless, hopeless globs of atoms. And that's all we've come to be in existence of. We're an extension of the monkey. And we're nothing more than just another animal. Um, I was watching Family Feud the other day. And it said uh, something about name a, two a, a, a mammal that walks on or an animal that walks on two legs and the answer was human. And I said, that's not going to be up there. Boop, popped up. We have a generation that thinks of themselves as just nothing more than just a, a, a dog that can think or just a, just a, a monkey that, that, that reasons a little bit differently. Fail to understand the beauty of the fact that God breathed life into humans the way he did in a special and different way. That we have the image of God imprinted on us. The reality of the never dying soul that a dog doesn't have or a cat doesn't have. Can I, can I encourage you young people, young marriages, uh, to realize the beauty of life? To realize the beauty of the gift of a baby in your house? I, love, I appreciate animals. I appreciate dogs and cats. But they're not children. I don't care what this generation tells you, they're not children. The beauty of life is something special about a human being because God has put in the human being a never dying soul that he has not put in the elephant, he has not put in the giraffe, he has not put in the lion. I don't care what Lion King says, there is no never dying soul inside the lion. There is a never dying soul inside the human being. And life is a beautiful thing. The fact that God has given us the essence of life and who we are is something amazing and hopeful. And in the midst of a world that has brought, about, brought upon us all sorts of destruction, all sorts of personal and spiritual and emotional and marital and family calamity, in the, in the calamity of a future hope, can I tell you in the midst of that we find Lamentations chapter 3 and verse number 22. It says this, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. You say, if I just had not told you what was happening, you found those verses you would say, man, Lamentations is one of the most exciting books of the Bible. Man, that must be, this must be, they must be having conquered lands. They must be sitting here on top of the milk and honey and just absolutely having a great time. But no, no, this is said in the midst of one of the worst calamities taking place for God's people at this time. 
You see, the reality is, is that finding that God's goodness and faithfulness is always present through, cir- through any circumstances. Those circumstances may temporarily indicate that there is loneliness and despair. God's word reminds us that God is there. God's word reminds us that there is hope. God's word reminds us that how, no matter how much you messed up and I've messed up and no matter how much the consequences of our sin or the sins of others have been afflicted upon us, that in the midst of that, there is hope. There is hope in God. And this morning, I'd just like to, just for a brief moment, share a few thoughts in regards to that reality, in regards to that matter. Let's pray and ask for God's direction this morning. Father, we do thank you for your goodness towards us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for directing our paths to this morning, to this opportunity. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just guide my words. Lord, you know I am unworthy were it not for your grace. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that even this very morning, your spirit would be able to lead and guide. Father, speak to hearts because we need of you. Father, I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Verse 21 of Lamentations is the verse that precedes verse 22 through 26. And it starts like this. It says, this I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. And I I, want to just want to make sure just pause a moment and say this before we jump into those other verses, that this is what the prophet says. The prophet says, this I bring to my mind. This I return. And here it's not just the mind that is between the two ears. Here it's the mind that exists inside the never dying soul of every human being. So in actuality, this is what he is saying. The prophet is saying, this is what I bring to my hurting heart. This is what I bring to my heart that is sad because of what's going on in my life spiritually, because of what's going on in my marriage, because of what's going on in my home, because of what's going on in my personal struggles. This is what I bring and I return to that part of my heart that says, how could you do that again? How could you let that happen? Why did this happen in my life? How are we struggling so much? This is what the prophet says. I return these things to my heart in this moment. I don't know what your moment is. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know what your calamity might be. But I can tell you this. These are some things that you need to return to your heart. These are some things that you need to return and think about. I want us to look at first and foremost, though, in verse 22, it says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I want you to notice firstly with me this morning, a steadfast love, a steadfast love. And that steadfast love is not necessarily a two-way street. That steadfast love is very much one directional. You see that one directional says it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. It doesn't say it is of the Lord's, uh, it, is, it is of John's goodness. It is of, it is of my tithes and offering. It is of my never missing on youth group or always of being no it says it is of the lord's mercies that we are not consumed there's a steadfast love this morning that is directed directly at your hurting heart there is a steadfast love that is directed in the midst of your calamity that says i'm still there 
and my mercy is still there. And this morning you have an opportunity to be able to find what you need in Him. It's amazing that we find in Him what we need. In the midst of our calamity, you know, um, anybody remember what was the first song we sang this morning? Anybody remember? Other than pianist? <laughs> That's right. Sometimes wonder about that. Anyways. The Lord's our rock, in Him we hide, a shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever ill betide, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land. Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. Telling you this morning that we have a steadfast love. We have a love that in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a calamity, in the midst of utter destruction, in the midst of utter desolation, in the midst of times when you have failed God, and in the midst of, of marital struggles, in the midst of that failed grade, uh, that boyfriend that turned you away and rejected you, in the midst of that girlfriend that didn't return the eyes that you made at camp, in the midst of that destruction that you may have this morning, I want to tell you that there is hope somebody who comes alongside you and says I'll be your shelter I'll be your safe place I will have a steadfast love towards you go with me to the book of Malachi book of Malachi and in the book of Malachi chapter number three and verse number six it says this Malachi three six for I am the Lord I change not isn't that beautiful this morning? The fact that the Lord does not change. You know that there are times that if you were to come to me, um, I, like, like Friday afternoon, if you would have come to me and said, uh, Mr. John, I have a flat tire right in front of the camp. Can you help me? I would have said, no. <laughs> Tired, ornery, had 123 campers plus 40 staff, a lot of pressure. I would have said, no. I'm angry. I'm hungry. Our moods change. Our moods change by the minute. Sometimes we're happy. Sometimes we're not. Certain times of the year, Christmas, everybody has a smile. Most everybody. Thanksgiving, everybody has a smile. There's a lot of food. So there's a lot of food. Aren't you glad that God's not like that? God doesn't change. It's a steadfast love. It's a steadfast love. It says his mercies are continual. His grace is there. His love is steadfast. It continues on and on and on. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. God does not change. His compassion and mercy is without end. I want to tell you here this morning that God's compassion and love, it continues on. In Lamentations 5.19, it says, Though that thou, O Lord, remainest forever, thy throne from generation to generation. I want to tell you that God is steadfast. He is unmovable. He is unchangeable. God, this morning, he is telling you, yes, there are things that maybe in your life are not right. There are some things that circumstances that he needs to change. And there, there are some circumstances and sins that you got to change. But he wants to let you know that this morning, his compassion is there. His steadfast love is there. And he is there this morning telling you, hey, this is what you 
you need to return to your heart. Here's what you need to think about. There's a shelter for your storm. There's a place for you to have a steadfast love. Return that thought to your heart. God is faithful beyond all. His faithfulness remains. His throne from generation to generation. This thought needs to be in us in the midst of that calamity. There's a steadfast love. God's love never fails. Secondly, as we return to our portions in Lamentation chapter 3, let's look at verse number 24. It says this, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. Can I tell you that this morning, the way we find that hope, the way that reality of that hope can peek into our dark heart is when we return to our heart that steadfast love, when we return to our heart a satisfied soul in him, in him. The prophet says, the Lord is my portion, saith my soul. This is important because if we base our Christianity on our circumstances and not on the peace of our soul, then there's going to be as much as our emotions are when we're hungry, not hungry, time of year, time of season. That's the way our Christian life is going to be. But the way we find hope in calamity is when deep and settled in the peace of our soul is the reality of the fact that Jesus Christ satisfies. God is the satisfaction, the ultimate and complete and total and final satisfaction of my soul. That in Him I find peace. In Him I find a trust that will not be failed. In Him, though feelings and flesh may say at the moment, that this is not uh, happening uh, for good, that this is a terrible and horrible crisis. My soul can be settled in that moment when it is settled on Jesus Christ, when it is settled on the good Lord who is faithful. The, 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 the prophet says, the Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Not saith my circumstance. Because you see, sometimes we're weeping on the front bench with a casket before us and emotionally that hurts it's devastating for our emotional heart for for us in that moment we feel uh, we feel a, a a desolation we feel a loneliness We've had many ladies in our church here lately, a few of them. I can think of one in particular who went through the loss of a spouse. And, and I remember uh, sitting at the, seeing her sit at the front of that, uh, of that uh, funeral home and her heart was crushed. And yes, there is that crushing of that spirit in that moment, but we can find hope there because our soul is settled in the one that satisfies it. This morning, I want to say that circumstances may not be the ones that guide us. You see, uh, circumstances, they may say something else. Go with me to Psalm 73. Psalm 73 says this, and it's beautiful what it says. Psalm 73 and verse number 26. If you don't have it, just listen carefully. It says, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. 
You see, my flesh and my heart, those things, uh, the the emotion, my will, I can be determined. I uh, I can have all the emotional excitement as I come back from camp, but there needs to be some soul-settling reality deep inside of me that even when I don't feel as high and mighty in my spiritual walk, and even when everything isn't just right, that there is a reality of of finding a satisfaction in our soul through God, through Jesus Christ. The Lord Jehovah, he is my portion. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. I will find hope in him because he is my portion. I want to tell you this morning that God, God satisfies. We have a world that has sold us a bag of lies. We have a generation that cannot fill a void in their life and they do it by trying to find their most amazing Instagram picture and trying to find the most likes and the most clicks and they're trying to find pleasure and they're trying to find happiness. But until this generation realizes that apart from Jehovah God, there is nothing that will satisfy our soul, we will continue throughout our life to try and find satisfaction. That is why one of the most successful chefs of our nation can sit there and make all the money in the world, can sit there and have his own program, can sit there and be invited by the, by the famous and, and by, the, by the most uh, amazing people to come and be the chef in their home and be the chef in front of this person and in front of this politician. And then there can still come a time where all of a sudden he has to tie a noose around his neck because he can't find satisfaction to his soul because that's not where it's found. It's not found in money. It's not found in success. It's not found in pleasure. It's not found in anything apart from Jehovah God. And this morning, we have to realize that. That the only way there is hope in the midst of our calamity is by returning to our heart the reality of a steadfast love, the reality of a satisfied soul. The reality, if it goes on there, verse number 25 and 26 of this, The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man, person, should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. I want to tell you this morning that not only do we need to find that steadfast love and realize and abide in that, not only do we need to understand that our satisfied soul is the one who hopes in him, is the one that keeps God's word and keeps looking to God, but also one that absolutely does that entirely with a seeking heart a seeking heart it says there the prophet says the lord is good unto them that wait for him to the soul that seeketh him you know what is amazing i want to read i want to read for you isaiah chapter 30 if you want to go with me there in your bible isaiah 30 and verse number 18 isaiah 30 and verse number 18 says this in isaiah excuse me verse number 30 and if you will, just for, um, just for a purpose of, of context and realizing uh, kind of the, the broader explanation, I'm going to read out of the Amplified just, just for explanation purposes. It says, it says this uh, in, in Isaiah 30, 18, Therefore the Lord waits expectantly and longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed, happy, fortunate are all those who long for him since he will never 
fail them. I, I love what the King James says, and, 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 but I love this amplified explanation of it. The Lord waits expectantly, longs to be gracious to you. Can I tell you this? It says there, uh, therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is, is a God of justice. Blessed, happy, fortunate are all those who long for him. Listen, as we seek him, the reality is, is that he has been seeking us long before we ever turn to him. Much like in the New Testament, we find the, the, the wonderful parable of the prodigal son. And yet we find that as he was there along the road, the father saw him afar off, a long ways. What does that mean? It means he had to be looking. He had to be waiting day after day. He had to be saying, I can't wait. Now, could he have gone? Could he have found where that son was at? Could he, could he have gone to? Yes, he could. But he was there looking in that direction and he was saying as soon as you start looking at me i'm coming after you because god says he is expectantly and therefore the lord waits expectantly longs to be gracious to you what what is he waiting for he is just waiting that we would sincerely and earnestly seek him with our heart the bible says in another portion you shall find me when you seek me with all your heart can I tell you this morning, I don't know where you are in your journey. I don't know what your calamity may be, how small or great your calamity may be. I don't know what your spiritual struggle or condition may be. I don't know how desolate your uh, city may be at this moment. But I can tell you this, that wherever you are, if you will allow for a seeking heart to grow in you, if you will allow for that to spring up in you, you will find a God. God, who has been earnestly waiting and expecting, looking and longing to be gracious to you. And if you'll give him just the slightest inclination that God, I am ready. I am ready to surrender my heart to you. I am ready to come and to rely only on you. And my heart, it, it's, it's only going to find satisfaction in you. Therefore, it will turn to you. And God says, all right, I can't, I can't wait to be gracious to you. The reality of the consequences of sin is a sad reality, is it not? I mean, it is. We live in a world that if you look around us, there is lots of consequences of sin, right? We, we lived in the sexualized generation of the 60s and 70s, and now we have 60% divorce rate, and we find that pornography use is in abundance, and, and it is des desecrating and desolating our land. There's consequences for sin, but isn't it beautiful and wonderful that in the midst of our personal sin, in the midst of our personal desolation, that we have an opportunity to return to God and that God, yes, he comes to us and he says, my love hasn't, hasn't moved. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. My love hasn't moved. I am the only one that can fill the void of your soul, of your heart. And guess what? If you'll seek me with all your heart, I'll satisfy you. I'll be gracious to you in your condition. I'll be longing. I'll be waiting. I'll be expectantly anxious to have compassion on you. I don't understand why that phrase, therefore the Lord is a God of justice. 
Because how is it that his compassion, how is it that his love is, is satisfied in his justice? But it is. It's beautiful. That is why the person of Jesus Christ is so amazing and so wonderful. And why Jehovah God uh, is such a wonderful, wonderful reality in our lives. That's why he satisfies. Because he satisfied God's anger. And he satisfied God's wrath. And you and I, though we come every Sunday and we can do all the good works we want, we would never satisfy God's wrath. It was all satisfied through his son, Jesus Christ. And now he comes to us and he says, you can have hope in your calamity, not because you're good enough, not because you checked enough boxes off to make sure that you were a good Christian and you raised your level of Christianity to the point that now you satisfy me and make me happy. No, it is because Jehovah God, in the form of Jesus Christ, became the satisfaction for our sin and therefore it becomes the satisfaction of our soul. If we'll seek him with all of our heart, if we'll seek him passionately, then there will be hope in the midst of whatever we're going through. There will be reason to have hope. There will be reason to have a hopeful expectation for tomorrow. Can I tell you this morning that if we will return these thoughts to our heart, sure, there'll be rough days. Sure, there's rough patches. Can I tell you, yes, you may have chapters one and two of Lamentations. We have right now a generation that tells the valedictorian of a high school, you can't give your speech if you're going to mention the name of Jesus Christ. You can mention Allah, you can mention Buddha, you can, you can say anything else, you can, you can praise your LGBT club, you can do everything, but just don't mention the name of Jesus Christ. We live in that generation, guys. We are a part of that reality. There is destruction and desolation. There is spiritual deserts taking place all around us. But in the midst of that, in the midst of that, there can be hope. For us, there can be hope. Why? Because God is still seated on his throne and his love is still steadfast. And when we take that message to a generation that only knows anger and bitterness, look, if you just, all you gotta do is open your social media and you'll see how much anger and bitterness there is out there in the world. It doesn't take very long. Just open your Fox News app and you'll see how much anger and bitterness there is in the world. You'll find a mother. You'll find a husband that, that murdered his wife. You'll find, you'll find destruction and, and desolation all around us you'll find how everything good is scorned at and and pushed to the side and everything evil and wicked is praised and you'll find desolation and desecration but can i tell you in the midst of that there is still hope because god's love is still constant and because the reality of the satisfaction that is found in him is still a constant in our life and because when we seek him he doesn't say i'm having a bad day sorry don't come back to me later he says, I am longing and expecting and waiting to be gracious and compassionate towards you. But you gotta come. Can I tell you this morning, there's hope in the midst of calamity. Lamentations 3, 22 through 26 takes place in the midst of an utter chaotic, horrible situation. But there was still hope there. And this morning as we sit here, we have personal struggles. There's a marital strife. There's families that are breaking apart. And though in the moment, if you look at just the circumstance, my heart faileth me, my flesh faileth me, what's in front of me doesn't look like there's an outlet to it. 
But if we'll take our eyes off of that and to where they should be, on the Lord that satisfies, on the Lord that loves, on the Lord that sent his son Jesus Christ to become our Savior, all of a sudden this calamity gives light to a new hope, to a new hope for tomorrow. So this morning I pray that this will be an encouragement to each one of us. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you. We thank you for your love towards us. We thank you, Father, because even on a morning like this, I I don't know where different people may be at. I know where I'm at. Father, I know that I needed this message once again this morning. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just work in the hearts of every person here. Father, as, as fallen creatures, it is our tendency, it is our sin nature that gravitates to hopelessness, to the futility of life. But Father, I thank you that this morning there is hope found in you. Lord, may we, may we realize that that steadfast love has not moved. May we realize that the satisfaction that you bring to the soul is beyond comprehension and goes beyond any momentary sadness. May we realize the amazing, sweeping, great benefits that take place when there is a seeking heart. Father, may we truly seek thee this morning. I just want to do a hand invitation this morning. Perhaps this morning you say, Brother John, that's me this morning. There are some things in my life that have brought maybe a little bit of hopelessness. And this morning God has spoken to my heart. Would you pray for me that God would reinstall that hope in me, that God would bring back and return to my heart that hope that I need in this moment. Would you slip your hand up? I'd like to pray for you this morning. That's you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Father, I do thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity that you give us to be able to respond. Thank you for your spirit that has the only one that can penetrate a human heart. Father, thank you that you go beyond the emotion, but that you go to the reality of your spirit stirring inside of the never-dying soul. Be with us now as we, Lord, um, continue on this day. Help us never to forget the reality of that love. Father, we thank you for the hope we have. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.